This is Unbeaten. Thanks for tuning in. Great to have you listening. Live from Amherst, Massachusetts, in the basement of the Murray D. Lincoln Campus Center, broadcasting on WMUA 91.1 FM and online streaming. Today is Tuesday, September 18th. we got Cam Seibert in the studio with us today. We have a great topic today. So let's get things started. All right, welcome back. Another Tuesday morning. I'm here with Cam Seibert, and um, he covered the women's basketball team last year for the Daily Collegian. He knows a little bit more than I do, but I figured we'd spend the first half of this show sort of previewing and previewing next season and recapping last season. Uh, so say what's up to the people. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I wrote for the university newspaper, the Daily Collegian. I was a staff writer for the women's basketball team last year I definitely attended a few games but uh from what I took from last year was that it was kind of just a rebuilding rebuilding year and I mean this year they're definitely trending in a positive direction I think the coach they brought in who's entering his third year Tori Verdi has done a really good job with these girls uh I mean when we talk to him after practices he's very keen on letting us know that he's just trying to get these girls better step by step every day not taking big leaps but little steps because he's been at these programs I think he was with men's Kentucky basketball as an assistant so he's obviously seen how practice and the little things can build up to be important in winning games and doing the big things so I think last year we we were talking about too they lost pretty important players in Maggie Mulligan and Mm -hmm. Leah McDermott a couple seniors who were definitely leaders in that locker room but obviously they've gotten right to recruiting and they've picked up a few freshmen that some new faces to help get the team going in the right direction right no I think I think Verdi was a big big part of that sort of transition for this uh, women's team to get back on top of the A-10 I guess and clearly they're still in rebuilding um, somewhat last season going 6-10 and 10 in the A-10 um, they went 14-16 and 16 overall but yeah Verdi seems like he's a very passionate coach from the experiences I've had interviewing him he is it seems like he's all in. He's ride or die for this team. So it's it's good that you have a coach behind you when you're a coach behind you that has that mentality when you're trying to rebuild. But going also going sort of transitioning here, going back to uh, losing Maggie Mulligan, definitely a not only a huge defensive presence but also a huge uh, scoring presence down low. I just wanted to get your thoughts on how you think they might be able to put pieces together and sort of replace her in a way yeah I mean night in and night out we would go to coach and say what do you think of how Maggie played and he'd he'd talk about how she was the backbone of the team and she's the one rebounding and doing things defensively inside that they need her to do so obviously she's she's a huge void that's going to be missed and it looks like in offseason they've already targeted some forwards and some some big people to get inside and one is Jessica Nelson here she's from Georgia she's 6'2 and another one is um one second here let me find it it was uh, Alexa Kellner, who's also over six foot. So, I mean, he's trying to get some height. And they got redshirt freshman Anil Soy Sal, who's 6'5". So she's definitely going to be what they're looking to build in to be their new Maggie Mulligan. And right. not, not, not that she's replaceable or anything like that, but they're definitely looking for size because they know they're going to need it. And uh, I think Coach knows how to recruit. He knows where to look. And obviously he's started that process. Yeah, absolutely. We know Soy Sal's from Istanbul, Turkey, it looks like. And 
she's kind of similar to Henesis in the fact that she played for a national team. And obviously we've seen how that worked out. Henesis being a huge scoring factor for them last season, they're probably going to be looking at her again as a senior to provide a lot of the scoring. But um, yeah, uh, Soy Sal played for the Istanbul national team and uh, went to high school there. Obviously a lot of great stats coming out, coming out of Turkey. They definitely breed good players over there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely that European basketball culture there. But even uh, even Henesis Rivera coming from Venezuela, it's cool to have the team. It se- uh, seems like the team has a lot of diversity, a lot of different backgrounds and experience in general with, you know, different different playing levels of basketball. Soy Sal, obviously a red shirt freshman this year, wasn't eligible uh, last year but they are definitely looking for her to, like you said, sort of fill in for Mulligan in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, from being around the team too last year, Henesis definitely fused with the girls really well, and you could tell that she came right in and started working right away, even probably helping the girls by showing a few ways that she knows to score, because, I mean, she's such an elite scorer. She could definitely help with things like that, and Coach and the rest of the girls definitely helped her with getting better at defense and things like that. So they're definitely uh, pinging and ponging. Uh, they definitely liked Yeah, she fused well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, um, I think it's fair to say that she'll sort of take over that leadership role with Mulligan gone. Her and I believe it's Jessica George are the only two seniors on the roster this season. So Yeah, and Haley Lydell being such a great player, definitely going to be another leader in that locker room with being such a good scoring presence as well. And even though she's not the tallest girl, I mean, she's still definitely a great rebounder and she knows to get into the paint and box people out, which she's good at. So that's going to, they're definitely going to look for that more from her this year, but I think they, they should get it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Lydell, definitely a threat from the perimeter, led the team in not only three pointers, but points in general, field goals in general. Yep. Um, definitely a scoring presence. And then when you look at Henesis Rivera, it, it almost seemed like the games that I, did follow last season. She was a very big playmaker. She wasn't afri- uh, afraid to drive to the hoop and yeah. uh, just finish strong, really. Yeah, when they needed something to get moving on offense, it was easy to give her the ball and just let her slash and try to get to the rim, maybe get a rebound and second chance points, things like that. I think another thing to look at is the backcourt. I think their backcourt looks really good this year. They've also added a few freshmen in that department. But uh, Bree Hampton Bay was one of the best defenders in the A-10 last season. And there's no no chance she doesn't come back with that same intensity. Um, Asia McCoy and uh, Madison Lowry are a couple new acquisitions. Madison Lowry is a great deep threat uh, from what Coach has to say about her. He said that he's been to AAU games, watched her play against great competition and make 10 three-pointers in a game, which I don't know who that reminds you of. Maybe Haley Liddell making (laughs) 10 straight against uh, Fisher College last year. But, I mean, yeah, that's definitely another good pickup. They need, need I mean, scoring, obviously. You can always use scoring. Automatically looking at her height, she's 6'1", yeah, listed, six at, one. listed at guard. I mean, it, you, only, you can only imagine how tough that must, have, must be to contest a shot uh, with such reach and such ability to, you know. I mean, you said she scored 10 three-pointers in a game. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely a scary sort of perimeter threat yeah. uh, coming from them this season with with her as an acquisition a little difficult to get information as much as we, we don't know we obviously have limited information but from what you can tell yeah I mean six one and ten threes in a, in a game against some AAU competition that's those are good signs and 
like you say, coach knows where to look for these players and he knows how to talk to them and get them to come here. So, yeah, no, you know, they, I think players have to see that things are trending upward and that it's a, it's a positive move going on here at UMass. So they're, they're eager to come. No, absolutely. The coaching staff knows where to look. You said that uh, Verdi came from Kentucky. So not only do, does the coaching staff know where to look, but they're also fairly experienced. Um, and it just looks like they really have all the key pieces to start trending upward in the right direction. Uh, you could sort of get the sense that last year was more of a transition year. They still finished below 500 in both conference uh, record and their overall record. But they're certainly getting there. They're sort of trending uh, their way up. Looking at the schedule for next season, they have a lot of home games that are a lot of home non-conference games. So I think it'll be good for them to maybe early on in the season build up their confidence where they're you know, playing at the Mullen Center, a place where they're familiar, and start getting on a roll before they go into competitive A-10 games. Yeah, it definitely seemed like last year they had a couple of those games, kind of filler games, to get them get them some confidence moving forward. Um, I think that's good. Yeah, I think getting a few wins early in the season is only going to boost confidence, but get your at the same time gets you ready for some of your tougher opponents. Uh, they definitely want to try to do better in the tournament at the end of the season. I know they're they're trying to make it past the second round. I think the furthest they've made it, mm-hmm. at least in recent history. So. Yeah, and I think it helps that uh, right away, just looking at the schedule, they get to play George Washington at home, which I believe... Last year it was away, I think. Yes, okay, because I believe George Washington ended up winning the A-10 tournament for women's, I believe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, right off the bat, that's already a good good sign. They don't have to play the toughest opponent um, in terms of, you know, where they were last season. Yeah. they get to play them at home opposed to on the road. So uh, just some just some little schedule uh, ins and outs there. But, you know, hopefully yeah, with, with... I'd say it looks pretty good headed into the, the season here. No, absolutely. Verdi headed into his third season. I think he's he's got to feel confident with what he's got, and he's got to feel confident from, with what he's brought in. Um, only time will tell, obviously, how the the young, the young players fuse with the old ones. But I think that there's a lot of experience even with the fact that there's only two seniors on the roster, I still think Haley Lydell, obviously playing since she was a freshman, she has so many minutes under her belt, so many things she can teach the younger girls, and I think that there should be a pretty good team this year, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting time for women's uh, basketball here at UMass. A lot of experience, a lot of exciting vibes going on, uh, definitely trending on their way up. That's all we really have to cover uh, with UMass women's basketball. We're going to cut to break real quick. Stick with us on WMUA 91.1 FM. This is WMUA Sports. Show your UMass pride everywhere you go with a UMass Amherst special license plate. All proceeds benefit student scholarships and programs, and the special plate fee is tax deductible. Get all the details and order your plate at UMassAlumni.com or call 800 800- 456 UMass. Remember to ride with UMass Pride. Hi, this is Coolio. I have it, you have it, we all have it. It's called blood. And every three seconds, someone needs blood. Each year, four million people need blood transfusions. You can help by becoming a blood donor. 
It's fast, simple, and safe. One donation from you can save up to three lives. Be a lifesaver. Call 1-866-FROM-YOU. That's 1-866-376-6968. Toll free to find out where you can donate and save a life today. You're listening to UMass Athletics on WMUA Sports. All right, thanks for sticking with us here on a Tuesday morning. Uh, just as a side note, Tory Verdi was with Eastern Michigan, and prior to that he was with the Kansas City Jayhawks as it looks like an assistant coach. So if you were listening to our UMass women's basketball recap and preview, uh, that is technically part of that. So transitioning into NFL Week 2 talk and specifically the Patriots game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I guess, Cam, I'll just ask you, what are your initial thoughts? It's an interesting one. It's pretty. It's like the classic Patriots lose in like the first five games of the season. People get worried. They start to ask questions, and then they usually end up fine. But I will say, I think it's, it's interesting because it, it seems like they're starting to show a little wear and tear, continuing to come back and keep doing the same thing. It's got to get rep- re- re- repetitive for Tom Brady and the boys. So I think that at the same time, although it's scary to see us lose bad like that, I still think that they're going to be fine because this happens all the time. And if you look at it from the Jaguars' perspective, that might have been like the biggest win in their franchise's history where most Patriots fans aren't too worried. Yeah, they're a little mad, but they're not too worried. Yeah, and it's almost like I think I have this theory that, you know, Belichick almost – makes them lose in the first five weeks of the season to wake ju- everybody up just so he can wake everybody up sort of you know read the riot act to all the players let them know what losing to uh, i feel like i mean last season they lost to the what was it week one texans against or the sec- uh, second or third week they lost to the texans right and then i think the first week they we lost the first game to the kansas city chiefs I oh believe. that's right that's so right. that was obviously a formidable opponent and i guess you could say the jacksonville jaguars are now but losing by 11 to the jaguars is almost you know it's a little disheartening it definitely should be a wake-up call to the team let them know what a loss like this really feels like and hopefully they can just get back on board for I think, what, do they play the Dolphins next? Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't seen, like, a video of Jalen Ramsey just, like... Or the Lions, excuse me. Absolutely ripping after after the game in the locker room. Like, he was talking <laughs> all that smack, and then he actually did beat him, Brady. So I'm surprised he wasn't just going crazy back there. He, maybe he was, I just haven't seen it yet, but... Yeah, and um, it was certainly... It was, it was interesting watching Tom Brady get frustrated with his other players. Yeah. I mean, he did throw for, for what it's worth, he did throw for 234, two touchdowns. So, I mean, he definitely did his part, but at the same time, uh, you know, he's probably the only player on the bench that could get away with, you know, having a little bit of a fit because, of, you know, he, he thought that the other players weren't doing their job, essentially, especially yeah. on offense. I mean, I saw Belichick, too, a lot, just freaking out on players on the sidelines, really waking people up. If you haven't been coached by Belichick... All it takes is one little interference, one altercation with you, and he'll let you know that you're playing for him. You're not messing around out there. Yeah. And he's not taking anything but 100%. And I think he made that clear to him. Just, I don't I don't know who it was. Somebody on the sideline was getting an earful, but he doesn't like losing. You know that much. No, absolutely. And uh, speaking, I guess, 
focusing now specifically on the offense, uh, running back, definitely by committee. You had Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, James White, uh, all getting touches. Um, Ten carries for Michelle. Burkhead had six. White had four. And then the receivers, I thought it was interesting because really the the lead reception getter was James White, who's sort of the receiving back. Yeah. But I and then and then surprisingly enough, Philip Dorsett with five. And then you got guys like Hogan, Gronkowski, and Patterson finishing with like two or three receptions. I think the Patriots next man up mentality certainly is a real thing, but also it comes down to the amount of talent you have. And right now I think they're kind of short in talent in the wide receiving area yeah it, it makes you wonder who else you know they could sign to potentially <laughs> josh gordon <laughs> to potentially Don't mind if i say that name add to the company <laughs> do you think that the patriots wouldn't get josh gordon because they're afraid of taking that kind of risk yeah no i don't think they'll sign gordon <laughs> they should though but i mean well it's funny too because you know the, the two names that get thrown around the most you know dez and josh at gordon. this point is dez and josh gordon two receivers that have known to either have diva tendencies or to be troublemakers. Yeah. So you you know usually Belichick's the player the coach excuse me to avoid situations like that. But then at the same time he's also signed on players like Chad Ochocinco, Albert Hainsworth, guys that have had problems, Randy yeah. Moss, guys that have had problems in the past, and he's sort of turned them around a little bit. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see. But um yeah, and then you sort of move on to the defense. Uh, Which was atrocious. <laughs> not too good. It looks like nobody had a sack. So, yeah, that's not good. I mean, 31, <laughs> 31 points allowed against the Jaguars is never a good sign. Obviously, yeah. the secondary didn't do very well. Um, when Blake Bortles is throwing for almost four hundred yards and four touchdowns, I mean, he's a good quarterback, but that's not; those aren't his typical numbers. Right. Um, I don't, I don't even know Keelan Cole's name. I've never heard that. He had 116 yards for a touchdown receiving. So, yeah, it was obviously a lot of breakdowns in the secondary. But like you said, they weren't getting any sacks. So it's not like there was much pressure getting put on Bortles in the quarterback. He did throw one interception, but it was like a tip pass, something. So Right. And then they. it seemed like at one point they were just picking on the cornerback, specifically Rowe. They kept throwing to his side of the field, and they just sort of kept taking advantage of him. And then... Stefan Gilmore, I think, has been pretty on point. The you know at least in his most recent games, uh, because he he did have sort of a rough start to last season, mm-hmm. but he does look sharp. He looks a little sharper at the start of this season. Yeah, I think guys like Eric Rowe, Cyrus Jones, uh, need a little bit more work in terms yeah. of the same thing happened man last coverage. Year. Right, he got torched by the Texans and everybody was worried and questioning Gilmore and then he straightened out and Belichick straightened everybody out so that's what I mean I Mm -hmm. think it's another one of those games it's our classic Patriots losing one of the first five and yeah sort of a wake up call as it is yeah wake up call take him back to practice and everything should be set on straight from here on out yeah you like to think but and then but you do have to question if it's getting to that time where it's season and out season in and season out they just keep coming back and they're maybe getting tired of everything and Belichick's getting tired of things yeah you do wonder if it's just the classic early season fatigue or whether they're legitimately running out of steam in terms of yeah long term losing interest and things like that but yeah and i mean, gotta hope not it was the whole 
uh, conspiracy that he was losing interest when he didn't show up for sure, OTAs yeah. Yeah. or whatever that was. Um, you know, there's there's always going to be speculation around some of the greats, especially when they start getting up in their 40s. And yep, I think there's new faces too that they got to get used to, and he's throwing to different guys, trying to figure out who his guy to go to is going to be, and those are some kind of kinks you got to work out at the beginning of the season. So mm-hmm. absolutely, you'd like to think that he can get adjusted to another wide receiver core just like he has in mm, all the years year, past yeah. yeah it seems like there's Turning there's always new faces but you know you, n- you never know I mean that's the beauty of sports that it could be something different every season so hopefully uh, Tom Brady and company can get adjusted but um, who do they play next week yeah it looks like I said the Dolphins but it looks like they're actually playing the Lions so oh. Matt that should be is that Matt Patricia's team now, the Lions. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Oh yeah, is that so that'll be a little bit of a. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, it looks like it'll be at Detroit, so we will be going to Matt Patricia and the Lions. Well, Brady should know everything he's throwing at him, right? Yeah, he should. Yeah, he should, ideally he should be reading every ideally, defensive scheme he sees. The scouting reports uh, will be thorough, most. But then likely. again, Patricia knows how to stop him. Yeah, so yeah. Well, so maybe, but. just just get ready for. It looks like really NBC is covering the game, so it'll strategical be strategical battle there. Yeah, so it'll be Sunday night football, and just get ready for like twenty side by side, like split yeah. split oh, screens Patricia of Patricia and Belichick. Patricia and Belichick just having Chris Collinsworth just start <laughs> rambling on about how they know each other and <laughs> Patricia's sharpened pencil in his ear. <laughs> yeah. You so must have brought those over to Detroit. That'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, I think that'll be the first. Uh, yeah, that'll be the first primetime game for the Patriots this season. Yep. Usually they get a handful of them, but uh, it'll be Sunday night football is always one of the most, uh, usually the most watched matchup per week. So then after that, they'll play the Dolphins in week four, Colts and Chiefs. Those are the sort of up-and-coming teams. Chiefs uh, looked really good this week, yeah. Mahomes threw six touchdowns. Yeah, so the Chiefs will definitely be a ch- probably the first sort of challenge. What are the, how are the Lions doing in terms of uh, trying to get their I record? I feel like they lost a lot of their wideouts as well. Detroit Lions this season are... Sorry, this is bad radio. Uh, Detroit Lions <laughs> are 0-2, so... Uh, hopefully we will. Yeah, hopefully we could be able to bounce back. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't think they have a very good defense, too, that I can think of. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched uh, any other games in week two, but uh, there was another tie between yeah, the Vikings and Packers. That. I don't know if you caught some of that game. It just took a little while for the Packers to get going. It seemed like they kind of picked it up in the second half. Yeah, it was. there was a really controversial sort of call with Clay Matthews. He had a... He had a roughing the passer call in week one. He got the same exact call on him in week two where, you know, it was like a game-ending interception for the Packers, but they said that Clay Matthews' hit on the quarterback was late. The interception didn't count, and then the Vikings went down the field and got a touchdown and tied up the game. Oh, wow. So it's sort of two weeks in a row now Clay Matthews has been in hot water, but thankfully... He hasn't lost a game for his team yet, because uh, obviously the Packers had that miracle win week one, and then 
they tied yesterday. It seems like the just the classic Packers too. They just yeah, always want to have a miracle win or they always find a way. So Rogers coming from behind. Yeah, but I was reading somewhere that this is the first time since like the seventies that uh there's been a tie in both week one and week two. And I do think oh, it's yeah. weird because football might be one of the only like of the major four sports to have a tie, I think. Yeah. I know hockey, they do like the overtime loss, but I don't think any other major sports have ties like this. So, uh, yeah. besides maybe soccer. And you throw it's them a sport in. that you don't necessarily need to have a tie in, too. I, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you, you can have a tie. Obviously, no one scores in overtime or whatever, but you could definitely do a double overtime or a second overtime or just until someone scores. But right, no. I guess they're, yeah. I agree. But I mean, there's time limits to the games and. The NFL is looking into that side of things, I guess. I think there, I think there are some rules changes they could look into. I mean, I know they've altered overtime a little bit yeah, to give yeah. the team that loses the toss a little bit more of a fairer chance. But yeah. I still think the NFL overtime rules are a little sketchy. I'd like to see them maybe transition into like college, more college football. That I, I agree. I like the way that college yeah. does it. The, like, the shootout type. Yeah, yeah, shootout type. Yeah, it'd be interesting because. Yeah, that's when the field obviously gets smaller, and that's when it gets tougher for people to score. And you'd think entertainment-wise, enter, entertainment that format would have a yeah. little bit more value just because... You're juiced up watching the fourth end, yeah. and then you go right into the overtime, and rather than watching them storm downfield, they're just right you in the You put right some the of the 20. best football talent the world has to offer in the red zone yeah. every every drive. You'd think that fans would get really excited for that, but you know, I'm sure... I don't know. You'd think they'd figure that out by now, but... Um, Someone needs to talk to us. Yeah. We'll get in there. Yeah, just uh, NFLPA. drop us a line. We're willing to swap ideas at any point yeah. at NFL. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much. I'll try to see if there were any other, like, interesting games this week. I know. Oh, see, uh, Seahawks and Bears are on tonight as part of. ESPN's Monday Night Football matchup. Uh, That'll be a good one. See if Khalil Max can do a little bit of what he was doing the first game. Yeah. No, absolutely. He uh, was beasting out in the first half, and then obviously Rodgers came back after his injury, but still. Right, and the he Bears. He give some hope to the Bears. Yeah. Mitch Trubisky, too. He didn't have too bad of a first first half in that game. No, yeah, and I mean, wait, you mean like in week one? In week one. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he looked fantastic uh, in the first half. In the second half, you realize that when you go up against Aaron Rodgers, you need to have more of a complete game yeah. than just an amazing just a, first half. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, I think it, it'll be interesting seeing if the Bears can recover from just yeah. a devastating week one like opener. Well, the Seahawks, too. Uh, this this here I'm reading says that they've lost their week one games by a combined four points. So, I mean, the Seahawks, too, they lost a tough one, so they're going to need to be bouncing back. Both teams are definitely going to be coming out strong looking for a win. And it's prime time, so yeah, that's when the best comes out. So that should be a good game to watch too. Yeah, I'd like to see Russell Wilson sort of solidify his uh, his Hall of Fame ballot, his potential Hall of Fame ballot a little bit more because it definitely seems like he's on that track. Uh, there a has lot of players in the league in his in his zone right there, like trying to get to the Hall of Fame status. They're just close, right? I potential. think like when when you talk Philip Rivers, I mean, I think Philip Rivers is a little bit of a better shot. But, you know, yeah, you talk about Phillip Rivers, uh, Russell Wilson. Roethlisberger's got a Super Bowl, so he'll, he should probably be solidified. But. There's these sort of 
you want they're a little bit they're definitely Matt above Ryan. above the cusp Matt Ryan but it's a matter of are they at Hall of Fame caliber so it's tough when you're competing with Brady and Rodgers as the two best cuz yeah. I mean, now that make, is true they make it look like a breeze that is true and uh you speaking just speaking of breeze Drew breeze there you Drew go breeze. Another one. <laughs> play on words I didn't even think of that. I, I completely know. forgot I about Breeze. I, I knew there was players. I just couldn't yeah. think of the names. No, and Drew Breeze, though, even yeah. with... Uh, he should be definitely... He's going to be in the Most of them played with Manning, too, so... Yeah. Uh, definitely... Eli Manning, too. He's a he's a name. You would think so. I mean, he two, sh- two yeah, Super Bowls. Two Super Bowls to do it, but now he's he's almost ruining his career at the end here. He's just... He's washed up. Yeah, it's a little tough just to watch. call it. A little your tough brother, to watch. Your brother knew when to get out, so maybe you should take a tip from him and go to Nationwide. Is on your side, whatever. <laughs> get some... Just, Sign on to Papa John's Honestly, nationwide. Those commercials with the two of them, you ever seen those? And they're kicking no. each other and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, those yeah. are hilarious. They're yeah. kind of older now, but those were hilarious. Just pretty much. Uh, Bickering brothers. Sign on to as many corporate sponsorships as yeah, you can. Exactly. Make even more money. You'd think uh, he wouldn't need that kind of extra money, but who knows. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all, all the time we have for uh, this week's episode. We'd like to thank you guys for tuning in. I'd like to thank Cam for joining me. Absolutely. It's Had, been fun. Had some great conversations. We'll hopefully get him back on the show in the future. So thank you for coming on. Thanks a lot, Ryan. It's good to be here. Stay tuned uh, for regularly scheduled programming on WMUA 91.1, and we'll see you here next week. Thank you.